One esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, he regards it unto the Lord. And he that does not regard the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, but he gives God thanks. For none of us live to himself, no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. And why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not, your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Romans chapter 14 verses 5 through 12 is where the unchanging word begins our study today. The appeal in this passage today is to see one another in Christ, allowing each one to have their own convictions before the Lord. Now, this is true for both those who are weak in faith and those who are strong in faith. Dr. Mitchell points out that in the case of believers, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is the Lord for all believers, whether weak or strong. He also draws our attention to the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the guarantee of the salvation of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, while at the same time it is the guarantee of the unbeliever's judgment, he who rejects Christ. Well, open your Bible to Romans chapter 14, verse 5 to begin. Here is our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. We are dealing with the book of Romans chapter 14 and the beginning of chapter 15. This passage is very, very practical. It has to do with the relationship between Christians, especially between those who, are, who claim to be strong Christians and those who are weak Christians, or between the mature and the weak. And the danger is, as we found in the first four verses, that most of us Christians judge weak Christians in the light of our own conscience. In fact, I'm sorry to say there are certain groups today, certain associations that will not accept anyone in their fellowship unless they believe just a certain way. Now, I recognize the possibility of heresy. 
But if one really stands for the person and work of Christ and loves the Savior, there's no reason why they can't have fellowship with you. Now, you say, well, they, they do certain things or they don't do certain things. Well and good, but please don't judge them in the light of your conscience. You see, this is a very easy thing to do. And sometimes it's hard for us not to judge, not to criticize when we see things that we believe are dishonoring to the Lord. Whereas the person whom you're judging and criticizing, to them, uh, they don't see why they should do this or not do that. So I say in the first four verses, we are to remember that we are not to judge the believer in the light of our conscience, in the light of our knowledge, and we're not to judge another man's servant. Oh, do you know, it, it breaks one's heart, and I say this very candidly. It breaks one's heart to see sometimes the, the coldness and the, criti the critical attitude of some Christians toward even some of God's servants. Now, it may be that I may not agree with some of God's servants in their ministry of the Word of God. Nevertheless, if they love the Savior and are seeking to win men to Christ, I should still love them. I should still love them. And if I believe that they're not going according to the Word of God, then it's for me to get on my knees and pray for them, not to damn them. Remember, God is able to make them to stand and if Christ has accepted them, then, friend, you better accept them. You better accept them. You say, well, Mr. Mitchell, when they get to heaven, they'll be changed. Yes, I know. And don't you forget that you will be changed too. Oh, what I'm, what I'm appealing for, what I'm yearning for, is that we see each other in Christ. I question if we'll ever find a group of people absolutely perfect in their doctrine and in their walk here on earth. And hence, as I walk with the Savior, as you walk with the Savior, we will manifest that tenderness, that love, that appreciation, that understanding of those who may be in weakness, may be in frailty, they may be just babes in Christ. I'm appealing to you Christians who have been taught all your lives I'm appealing to you preachers and Sunday school teachers to manifest that grace, that tenderness, that compassion for God's people. Remember that a great, great many of them have never been instructed in the precious Word of God. I'm reminded of people in Africa who have, who have cried themselves blind for the want of things. And sometimes I believe there are Christians today who have longed and longed for, for spiritual food from the Word of God. And they've gone from church to church and haven't gotten it. Friend, if you are in a church where they preach the Word of God, you thank the Lord for that. But do not sit in, a, in judgment upon those who've never had the opportunity. See, I'm pleading here for young believers, for weak believers possibly for falling believers. What they need is not a club. What they need is some encouragement in the Lord. What they need is some edification. What they need is someone who can pray with them and weep with them if necessary.
I just, I'm, I trust I've made myself very clear on this point. I was starting in at verse 5 of Romans 14, and running right down to verse 12, we have the ground for receiving these weak believers. Allow me to read it. One esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, he regards it unto the Lord. And he that does not regard the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, but he gives God thanks. For none of us live to himself, no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. And why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not, your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I would, I would like to stop here for a moment. In verses 5 to 9, if I may divide this into two things, we're dealing now with the ground of receiving weaker brethren. And one of the, the main ground is we are the same Lord. We belong to the same Savior. We belong to the same Lord. We have the same standing. We're going to the glory together. We're going to spend eternity together. Why? Because we have the same Lord. And this is the ground upon which we receive believers. You see, we judge according to our knowledge, according to our conscience. And we know very, very little. At the best, we know very, very little. So we have no ground, really no ground, judging another Christian. Why? Because, he says here, we have the same Lord. Here one man regards the day as unto the Lord. Another man doesn't. He is one that eateth certain things and gives thanks. And the other one doesn't eat. His conscience is involved, but he gives the Lord thanks. And no man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And to this end, Christ both died and rose again, that he might be Lord of the dead and the living. There is no other Lord to be considered. Jesus Christ is the Lord for all believers, whether strong or weak, whether mature or babes, whatever you are. And we need to recognize the Lordship and the Headship of Christ over all believers, whether weak or whether strong. You know, when we begin to judge another Christian, it's not as a rule an act of love, but rather an act of pride. Is that not true? Is that not true? And especially if you know quite a bit of truth, the danger is to do this, to lord it over God's people, to criticize and to judge weaker brethren or those who don't agree with you. And Paulia says that each one be persuaded 
in his own mind. Let us be fully persuaded in our own mind. Why? Because we have the same Lord and you walk before God as you see it, as you see it in the Word of God. And others will walk in the Word of God the way they see it. And just because you both might be a shade different, oftentimes, by the way, it's only a matter of terminology, your both hearts are seeking God and you want to please God and you want to live for the Lord, even though your doctrines might be, by words, different. Right down in the very heart of both of you, you have the same yearning. So there's no room for judgment because you have the same Lord and no one you can't live to yourself. See, someone says, Mitchell, I... I don't care for you. Well, it's okay. You have to live with me for eternity, whether you want to or not. You don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. And whether we're living or whether we're dying, we belong to the Lord. Is this what Paul has in mind from a different aspect in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, when he said, that Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by death or whether it be by life. For to me to live, Christ. To die is to be with Christ. So what's the difference? As long as Christ is magnified in my body. And the Apostle Paul is pleading for this. That you and I down here on earth, as we rub shoulders with each other, as we come into contact with other Christians, possibly from other groups, from other assemblies, from other fellowships, they may not agree right down the line with you or you with them. But there should be that bond of fellowship in Christ because we have the same Lord. And this is why he died. This is why he was buried and rose again and became the Lord of his people. Exalted, as Peter says, to be a prince and a savior, to be Lord and Christ. And then Secondly, he takes up this question of the ground of receiving it because the Lord is the judge. He's not only the Lord over all believers, but he's the judge. He's the judge of all believers. And remember, he's going to judge righteously. Let me read the verses. Verses 10 through 12. But why dost thou judge your brother? Why do you set it not, your brother? We shall all stand talking about believers now, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema. As it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. In the final analysis, friend, you have to stand before God. I'm talking about believers and it might be well for me right here to say one or two things about Christ being the judge. There are certain scriptures in the Bible which are quite general. For example, in, John, in John's Gospel, chapter 5, three times in that passage, our Lord said something on the same line that the Father hath committed all judgment to the Son because he is the Son of Man. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Now, that's a general statement. 
There's no such thing in the Bible as a general judgment. You see, if one were to take the time, uh, our sins as Christians have already been judged at the cross. We are now being judged today in our daily walk, and the result is chastisement or blessing. We're going to be judged with, with respect to rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. The unsaved are going to be judged at the white throne judgment. These are the unsaved, which you have in Revelation chapter 20. And then you have the, the judgment of fallen angels, so on. You have the judgment of the nations at the coming of the Savior to the earth to reign. These are different judgments. I shall not take them up except I just mention them. But now here he is dealing with believers, and every believer is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, before the bema. As Paul speaks of it in Corinthians chapter 9, the end of the chapter, when he said, I strive, uh, I keep my body in subjection, so that having preached to others, I myself shall not be disapproved. The Lord is the judge. For example, you take in, in Acts chapter 17, 31. God hath set apart a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And as I have oftentimes said, and I repeat it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the guarantee of salvation to everyone who has put their trust in him. And yet the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the guarantee of judgment to everyone who rejects him. See, our Lord is the judge, not only the judge of his people, but he's the one who is going to judge the nations. He's the one who is going to judge the unbelieving dead. In Matthew 25, our Lord judges the nations when he comes to the earth. Now, that is on the earth at the end of the tribulation period. There's no resurrection there. It's the living nations on the earth. And then in Revelation chapter 20, he's going to judge the wicked dead. And they're all going to stand before God at the white throne judgment. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Thank God there's a Savior who can deliver men from death and from eternal judgment. You remember John 3.18 says, He that believeth is not condemned, is not judged, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 5.24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no judgment, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's a standing that's true of all believers. Our sins were judged at the cross once for all forever. And the resurrection, of course, is the guarantee of that. But now what about my present life? Every believer must stand before God, at the bema, 
at the judgment seat of Christ. You find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where Apostle writes to the Corinthian church, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and receive the things done on the body, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He's talking about Christians. Now for the unsaved, for those of you who do not know the Savior, have not put your trust in the Savior, then I would give you a different verse. I would give you a verse from Hebrews chapter chapter 10, where it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Having spurned the person of Christ, the work of Christ, the spirit of Christ, there is nothing left but judgment. And he goes on to say, for it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, God's going to judge his people with respect to the lives they've lived as Christians, whether they shall be rewarded or whether you shall suffer loss. Now, you find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, starting at verse 11. You remember the passage, 11 through 15. Other foundation can no man lay but that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, the day shall declare it. This is the judgment seat of Christ. The day shall declare it. And the wood and the hay and the stubble shall be burned up, and the believer shall suffer loss. Yet he himself shall be saved, yes, so as by fire. And that which stands the test of the fire, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, this brings glory to God. But every believer will have praise of God. As he goes on in the fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians, every believer will have praise of God. Now, it may be I'm talking to some Christians and you're having trouble with other Christians. May, may I say it'd be a very wonderful thing if you can afford to wait until the judgment seat of Christ. If you're in trouble, you examine your own heart in the light of God, in the light of his word. If your heart is clear before God and the other man accuses you of certain things, don't retaliate. You and I can well afford to wait until the judgment seat of Christ. And he will be the judge. And he will judge righteously. Do you know of anybody else who can judge righteously? No, just him. He's the only one. We don't know all the circumstances. We don't know all that's involved in another person's life. So let's be, let's be very slow to judge and to criticize and to damn another Christian. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everything will be op in the open. Everything will be in the open. Not only our words and our actions, but our very attitude. See, brother, wouldn't it be a good thing for you and me just to walk with God? And let God judge the brother instead of you and me? I say again, we can well afford to wait until the judgment seat of Christ. Now you think about these things today and let us not judge other Christians. Let's encourage them, edify them, build them up in the Lord. Sing me a song of heaven, beautiful. 
you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.